Well, you know what book we're in. For those of you that don't, we're in Jude. And we're going to be in there for a little while. And we're going to be in looking at verses 5 uh, through 7 today. Um, did you ever think such a little book would have so much stuff crammed in it? Because and it's really good stuff. And on Wednesday nights, uh, we keep kind of plugging that, but we go over what I preached on on Wednesday nights. So, I mean, we were just doing two verses last Wednesday night, and it's looked, it took the whole time because I guess your pastor is long-winded. But there's just a lot of stuff in these little verses and very important. So, you know, um, I have a bracelet, and I forgot to put it on, so this is about remembering today. <laughs> and, and, and the bracelet on it says, remember. And I... I wear it sometimes because I want to remember some people that have been close to me that have died, remember my purpose and what God has called me to do, which doesn't, but there's so many times, the older we get, you ever go into a room and you forget why you went in there or you were going to say something and then a lot of you have creative ways now, you make a list, you make a note, uh, remembering things. We went through this parenting program with our kids. I mean, we didn't go with it through them, and it's blessed our lives, and I'm not trying to push any programs, but it's called the Growing Kids. And so anyway, you know, how to handle things, all this kind of stuff. And the only thing I remember from that clearly is that the, the people that do the program talk about, you know, doing things right and always returning your cart at the store. And so the only thing I learned is I always, I'll be out there in the parking lot. Why can't I be like anybody else, God, and just roll it into somebody's car and leave, okay? Or whatever. Not saying, okay. But <laughs> the one thing I remember about the parenting program is return your cart. Okay, obviously I didn't get an A on that, okay? But, you know, it's amazing the things that we choose to remember. And we can either choose, sometimes when it comes to the truths of God, we struggle to know what is truth, which I don't think it's a struggle. It's whether we're going to choose to learn it and obey it. And then we, we think, I learned this about God. But I, I've learned a lot of verses, and I didn't learn them to show off. I learned them because I needed them for my life. But if I don't review them, I get a little sketchy on how they're exactly laid out in the Bible. I mean, I'm not going to get that far off. But that's just learning Bible verses. But things that God's taught you, God is working on spiritual habits in our life. There's a lot of disciplines and things that you're all involved in that it takes muscle memory and that you need to continue to work at. And so when, we're, when we find the truth, which is Jesus Christ, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and a man comes to the Father but through me, we got that down. And then when Jesus shows us some truth by continuing to be in his word, sometimes we forget and then Satan, his lie is this. Did God really say that? Said it in the garden. Said it to Jesus in Matthew 4, 4. He continues to say it to us. So you see what I'm saying here? We struggle to know the truth. Truth is God's word. Truth is Jesus Christ. And then we struggle to remember it. And the way we remember it is we turn it into actions and it becomes a part of our muscle memory. There is stuff that you've trained on and you've learned on that, that it just comes natural. But you're also using it every day. And so... We can either reject the right things. Well, I learned that this was right, but now it's getting too hard. And, and the scriptures we're going to talk about today are really clear on stuff that a lot of churches have given into. And God's word does not change. And so we reject the right things because it's too hard. Well, what if Jesus had done that? This is hard, God. 
I'm going to have to get crucified. I'm gonna, I, I, I've always had a relationship with you, and you're going to turn your back on me because that's what hell is, the absence of God and torture and punishment eternally. And we reject the right things, but today he wants us to remember the right things. That's your action step. Remember the right things. And your points are going to be spelled under the word right. So, yeah, that's a lot of points, but hopefully it won't take forever, but we'll see the past two weeks. Okay, but... Um, Jude, remember, just kind of give you a background, he is talking to the first century believers, the church of the people of God. It's not a building. It's those that have received Christ, and church, the church is biblical. And Jude is talking about the false teachers that have entered the church, and he calls them truth twisters. You know, they put a spin on it, and they lead the people away from God. And so uh, he's saying you need to learn from the mistakes of people that didn't remember God. And he's going to give three examples in this section of Scripture that we're going to look at today. And we talked about the Gnostics, and I didn't have a good definition. And if you're here on Wednesday nights, we got a better definition. But, but he is dealing, Jude is dealing with the Gnostics that are in the church. And we may not uh, use the term Gnostic anymore, but the Gnostics were like this. They believed anything physical and fleshly material was bad. So only spiritual was good. So you had the boring Gnostic and the party Gnostic. And we talked about that Wednesday night. The boring Gnostic said, everything material is bad, so have no, nothing to do with anything. Hold your breath till you get to heaven and be spiritual. And what are the things of life that God's given us to enjoy? So trout fishing is bad? Really? Okay, just as an example. Or the things we enjoy are bad. Uh, the world's been tainted by sin, but God gives us a lot of good things to enjoy. The party Gnostic said this, it's all bad, it's all going to burn, so let's go for it. Let's enjoy everything, you know, because my soul is okay, so therefore my flesh is evil, so I'll do whatever I want. That is who Jude was dealing with. Sound familiar today? Anything goes. Uh, they may not call themselves Gnostic, but it's the fact of either I'm going to give in to any part of the flesh and celebrate my humanness. And so verse 4 that we talked about last week talks about, you know, you, you know that we need to follow God. And now it goes right into verses 5 and 7, flows directly into Jude's warning from verse 4 about the false teachers. Now he's going to give you three examples of people that did not remember the truth, situations. And so uh, Jude begins with the example of Israel. And the problem of them forgetting the, the lessons of God's truth and the audience that he was talking to were familiar with these. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, you may not be familiar with all these examples, but, you know, we'll, we'll, I'll help you with that. But Jude starts with, uh, with urging them to remember, to remind them through these examples. So let's look, through, let's look at verses 5 through 7, and then we'll go back and unpackage this. Now, I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels, who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left the proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. And just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing the punishment, of eternal fire. Let's pray. Lord, it is hard for me to believe that within one or two generations we have lost the purity of your word. I love everybody here. We're all sinners. 
And when we choose sin over you, we're in open rebellion, regardless of what it is. Some people today will focus on one area of the sin that you are specific on, and we are going to look at all of your truth. But help them to see anything where we say no to God is open rebellion, and we are denying him as God, and we are denying to follow him as Lord. And however we need to be obedient, may these things remind us to stay close to you and to remember the truth. Lord, however we need to be obedient today, speak, we ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. So let's look at example one, Israel in the time of disbelief. Uh, now I want to remind you, although you once fully, fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who do not believe. If you ever wonder, uh, was Jesus in the Old Testament, Jesus, when you see the angel of the Lord, Jesus is not an angel, but the word angel means messenger. And usually when you see the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, is talking about the appearance of Jesus. And here Jude clearly saying, hey, Jesus I am. He is God in the flesh, and he saved the Israelites. A lot of you are familiar with that, that, uh, you know, here we, we talk about the importance of Israel, that God was growing a nation, that the Messiah would come through, that we all can be a part of the spiritual Israel, the, uh, the descendants of Abraham who believe Christ for salvation. So here Israel has left Egypt, and they're getting ready to enter the promised land. And in your little Bible maps in the back of your Bible, you see it's not that much distance between Egypt and Israel. And so they send 12 spies in, and only two come back with a good report. The rest of them have scared the people out of doing it. And so God's like, okay, uh, Joseph, I mean, uh, Joshua and Caleb, you'll get to live, and you'll get to see the promised land. But the rest of you, this generation that would not obey me, you're going to die in the desert. And for 40 years, can you imagine this? God's growing a new generation up, and the kids are asking, hey, uh, Israel's not that far. Why are we going in circles and stuff? And it doesn't mean totally that maybe those people are not in heaven, but guys, there is cost for us not to obey God. There is loss. And so... All the, the people that Jude's talking to, they know this story. There are Jews that have accepted Christ as Savior, or they're Jews that are listening and, and wondering. And so he's saying, I want to remind you, you need to put in your mind what God did to the children of Israel that did not receive the good report. You need to fully know, you need to understand that that they once that Jesus saved those that believed out of this but the rest were destroyed and abolished. Still true today. Jesus saves. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Hebrews uh, 3.17 says this, And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned whose bodies fell in the wilderness? Clearly, God judged sin, and God judged their rebellion in, in, in the past, and God will continue to judge rebellion and those that disobey him in the future. So first lesson, we need to follow God. The reason they didn't believe, they put their, uh, the, the reason they didn't believe, they didn't put their trust in God. And this is why we need to test ourselves. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says this, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. I, and I didn't say lose your salvation, but am I following the truth? Am I remembering the truth? Not, and, have I accepted the truth? Test yourselves 
Or do, you, or do you not realize it about yourselves that Jesus is in you, unless indeed you failed to meet the test? Again, it's not about I'm saved, now I've got to keep it. I can't do that. But the, uh, John goes in 1 John that if they were with us, they would have stayed with us. The purity of the fact that I'm holding to the truth, I'm remembering the truth. Trust God today, don't doubt his power to do, to, to do it again. Have faith instead of choosing punishment. So your first fill-in, instead, instead of trusting the past, remember to trust God today. They had trusted him through the wilderness. They trusted him to get out of Egypt. And now these guys came back, and you had two, they were trying to figure it out in their flesh. And see, that's your life. Your testimony is, what was my life before Christ? How did I come to Christ? But we forget the third part of our testimony. What is Christ doing in my life right now? Where do I need to trust him now? Oh, I can remember when Jesus showed up. Does that mean he's not going to show up again? So if we're going to hold to the right things, the first right thing is trust God today in whatever you're going through. He knows. He says in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not calamity, give you a future and a hope. He says in Philippians 3, 13, 14, to forget the fast and press on to the mark, to the high calling Christ Jesus. But boy, we Christians love to live in the past. And you know, most of the time, the past wasn't that good. We just romanticize it. And we do need to have those milestones and, and, and those things where God showed up. And we need to thank God for what he's done. But a lot of us like to live in the past. These are weird times. These are hard times. I don't think anything's changed for Christians. And so we need to remember, am I going to trust God today? So that brings us to the next example. We see fallen Israel. Now we're going to see fallen angels. Um, Verse uh, 6, And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of that day. Okay, so you'd have to research this more today, but you see in Genesis... The group of, they weren't superhumans, but they were angels that had disobeyed. We know that Satan was one of the key angels. He was in charge of music, and he thought he was God and better than God, and he was cast down, and a third of the angels were cast down. So these are demons. So I want you to understand, too, there's only a limited number of demons. I don't know the number, and I'm sure there's a lot, but they're not God. They can't be everywhere at once. But these angels were specific ones that took human form or whatever, um, I know we got kids here, but they intermingled with women, and we see this in Genesis. Uh, good news, they were all destroyed in the flood, so there's not any, we can't do a sci-fi thing on their super angel, demon angel uh, babies around here, okay? But those angels that were fallen, we see in Revelation that they're in change and, ba- and bound right now for what they did. And so I know that I gave you a lot there. There's demons that are around here on earth that are not bound, that are not chained. But he's talking about this group in Genesis that are specifically been in prison. And Peter talks about them. We went through First Peter. And so, there, and, and so the, the Jews knew this example. And so notice what he said here. They didn't, they didn't keep their position of authority. They didn't hold to the right thing. Guess what? God gives us free will, but you're not God, and I'm not God. And any time we choose our own way, we're saying, I'm God. I am controlling my life. And he'll let you do that. He did not make you a robot, but this is what they did. God created us. 
He created us for a relationship with him. He gave us free will. He doesn't make us choose that. But there is a cost. There is a cost for our decisions. And so the result, notice what happened for these angels, gloomy, darkness, blackness, until final judgment, which is that great day. I want you to understand about hell was never designed for you and I. But what happens in our free will, if we do not choose God, and if I hear again, how can a loving God, a loving God did his part and sent his son to die for you. It's paid for. You have to choose to cash in on it. That doesn't sound right, but you have to choose to accept it for yourself. And if you don't, you are choosing to go to a place that is permanent, separation from God, torment forever. Oh, pastor, that's so old school. Really? Let's hold to the truth. You go to Jesus' parables, and everybody likes Jesus, but you go to the last part about every parable. He talks about that if you don't choose me, and, and, and he's not a mean God. He will let you make your own choice, but you need to understand what the result of our choices are going to be. And again, it's relationship. It's not, you're going to do this and you're going to love me. No. <sighs> Loving God, a good father, the things that we sing about, we're designed for a relationship. So here's a couple more fill-ins. We need to learn two lessons from the angels. We need to intentionally accept, the, uh, we need to intentionally accept God's plan. We can't slide into heaven. We can't accidentally get in heaven. You have free will to choose God or not. Christians, I want to help you out. We have been taught, I've got to make this person choose God. Really? How's that working for you making anybody do anything? Doesn't work well for me. Your responsibility is when God moves you, and, and the only reason we're still here is to deliver the message, the good news that you don't have to go to a place that is set not for you, but for these fallen angels and for Satan, and you can enter a permanent, eternal relationship with God that this world that we're in right now is only a shadow of what is to be. We need to remember to trust God today, and we need to intentionally accept God's plan. And today, we have a time of invitation. And when we have that time, you can come forward and, you can do that. You can talk to me afterwards, but you can't say that you haven't heard because he said every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. doesn't mean everyone will be saved, but they'll realize, yes, I see his authority now, and yes, it's too late, and now I go to a place that wasn't designed for me forever. And so we need to intentionally accept God's plan today. We also, your next fill-in, we need to give into God's power over our life. Again, if, I, if you say this wrong and take it wrong, it's like, well, God's just a puppet master and he doesn't give me. No. You know, it's like that little kid that says, I can do it. And I'm sorry, but a lot of parents are letting kids do stuff that they're not mature enough to handle. And just because they're loud doesn't mean give into it. And I wasn't a perfect parent either. All I learned is return my shopping cart. Okay? But the thing about it is, is we need to give into God's power. We were talking about in our Sunday school class, meekness. And gentleness. And those are negative terms, but it says in the Beatitudes that, that those that do that are blessed. But I, I want us to understand, some of us may naturally be meek, but that doesn't matter. When God tells you you need to do this, you know what? i got to lean into the Holy Spirit. And Philippians 2.13 said, God is working in us, giving us the desire to obey Him and the power, the dunamis, the dynamite power to do what pleases Him. So when God shows me something I need to do, God, I can't do it. I'm going to need your help. 
Holy Spirit, help me. And so if we're going to, again, the goal is to hold to the right things, we need to every day trust God in that. And then we need to understand intentionally that I need to receive, because there's a lot of people that act a lot, I'm going to use the wrong terminology, they act a lot righter than I do sometimes, but they're lost. They haven't accepted God's plan of Jesus Christ. They've added something to it. They've deleted. They've given into the falseness of the teaching of whatever. And so see how this all works together? And then given to his power for salvation, given to the power of the Holy Spirit to live life. And so if God, if God didn't spare the angels, why would he spare us? And if you, and if you do this, you will, you'll, be pun, you'll be punished and judged severely. Really great sermon today. Really uplifting. But you know what? Do you want your doctor to not tell you the truth so that you can get to the solution? And again, no meanness here. This is the reality. Either we're going to hold to the truth or not. So let's look at the third example. Used to, this wouldn't be controversial. We're going through Jude. I want you to know right now, I didn't like, okay, I'm going to pick this and I'm just going to hammer in. But this is God's word. And I want you to understand, either God's word is to be followed or not, all of it or not. Sodom and Gomorrah, verse 7. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing punishment of eternal fire. We know this. Lot's wife was assaulted. Dad joke. Okay, uh, but you got Abraham, you got Lot. Lot was more worldly than Abraham. Abraham's got God's blessing. Their relatives, their, their family's getting too big. So Abraham tells Lot, go choose what you want. You go that way with your guys. I'll go this way. Abraham's blessed. Lot goes to Sodom and Gomorrah. And, God, and, and then God and his angels, uh, probably Jesus and the angels, visit Abraham. And then Abraham is bartering with God on how many righteous people will you save the city. And it got down to the fact that, you know, there's hardly anybody but Lot and his family. And so then we go in. You can read this. It's in the Old Testament. And this is where we get the term, uh, criminal term, sodomize, which means, you know, doing bad things sexually to children and different people. This, it comes from this story, Sodom and Gomorrah. We want to forget it, but that term comes from this, unnatural sexual things. And so... Anyway, the angel comes to save Lot and his family. And in the midst, these, these men try to have sexual relations with angels, okay, not realizing it. And Lot and his family barely get out. And God says, don't look back. And Lot's wife turned back, and she turned into a pillar of salt. And that means she wasn't tasteless, but anyway, another joke. She really brings things out in you and you know, brings out the flavor. Okay, anyway, these are dad jokes. They're horrible. Okay. Okay, sexual, but let's look at this. So he's talking about sexual immorality, fornication. We don't really get into that word. I'm not trying to be crass, but it means whoring. And it means, you know, we talk about the fact of giving what is designed for one relationship away to anyone. And that's what that term means, that sexual immorality. And they, they went after it. And they, went, on, they uh, went for the unnatural. I want you to understand, everything, whether it's sexual or anything else, Satan tries to counterfeit it. 
But I want you to understand, everything Satan tries to counterfeit doesn't produce life. I am not trying to be mean. On a baseline, if you, science always proves God is true. Deer season's getting ready to come up. Um, everybody's watching things, you know, and it's like you, you don't usually see, nature's not confused on what a male is and what a female is. Nature is not confused. Now, sometimes the bucks may get really into the rut and get confused for a minute, but the other buck will help him figure it out with his antlers, you know, hey, get away from me or whatever. I'm trying to skid around this. Again, notice I didn't even bring up the Bible, but nature is not confused. Nature is not confused about, and I'm not making light, I'm not making fun of anybody. Nature is not confused about gender, and nature is not confused about how life is produced. And guess what? We're part of nature. So anything out of God's design is unnatural. So you say you're trying to just pick about homosexuality. He's talking about homosexuality here. And if you say it's just Old Testament, guess what? They said it's wrong in the New Testament. And then if you say you're just picking on homosexuality, guess what? It's any sexual perversion. Your body, I know we got kids here, but I'll, I'll try to be careful, but let's get real. Because they're getting exposed to stuff. I'm not going to draw diagrams and tell you everything, okay? But your body essentially is designed for one other person. And let's go to sexually transmitted diseases. And God's grace is there. And we know God's ideal is one man, one woman for a lifetime. And things happen. And, and, and people have good marriages after with the second and these things. But God's ideal and God's grace. You know, before the 40s, there were probably two sexually transmitted diseases. Now there's 30 plus. And then if you look, I did youth ministry for too many years, and we did true love weights and all this kind of stuff. But you can look on a graph exponentially when you go out of God's design, how exponentially it increases for sexually transmitted diseases. And then there's no protection for the mind or the emotions. This is just science. I'm saying God designed our bodies and our lives emotionally, physically, and spiritually for one other person. And anything else is counterfeit. And anything else will not produce life. So let's look at this for a minute. So he's talking about you perverted this, it was unnatural, and you desired the unnatural. And this is the case. This, in this case, he's talking about homosexuality, but the Bible is clear that sin outside of God's design, homosexual or outside of marriage, is not his design. Leviticus, so let's go to Old Testament first. Leviticus, and if you need to write these down, you can look them up, whatever. Leviticus 18.22, you should not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Now, this is where people stop. That's just the Old Testament. That is cultural. Okay. Well, then what do we do with Romans 1, verses 26 and 27? For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For the women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to the nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with the passion of one, one another. And men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves due penalty for their error. Yes, non-homosexuals can get sexually transmitted diseases. But some, not all, have come directly from this act. But guess what? Even heterosexuals outside of this see God's design. Again, now that we go on here, it's not just the unrepentant sexual sin, but any open rebellion. When we say, I am God and Jesus is not my master, we pervert and we counterfeit God's design. So then you see 1 Timothy verses 1, uh, I see 
1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. He says this, Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the ungodly and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which we have been entrusted. You might want to write that reference down. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 through 11 because you're having these conversations you're not going out saying i'm going to talk to you about this but when you do guess what here's what you need to say well god they may be saying god's just picking on that one sin that less says guess what god feels about sin if you are living in open rebellion whether you're a perjurer a homosexual there there i mean there's a huge list here a liar an enslaver um sexually immoral so you're not homosexual but you're not living in god's design unholy profane uh, those who disrespect their parents it's, he's talking about strike their fathers and mo mothers some of these and even talks about the gossip if and we may struggle with sin but if we're openly saying this is okay that is an indicator, not that we've lost our salvation, but we've never met Jesus, and we're in open rebellion. You need to have that verse down, because what's going to happen, they're going to say, you're picking on one sin, and you need to say, guess what? God died for all sin, and God is against all sin. This is just the example that he gives us here in Sodom and Gomorrah. Remembering the right things, your next film means having a healthy respect for God's plan. We talked about intentionally accept God's plan, but uh, is this happening in our society now? And in especially churches in America, and I don't think ours could be any better than anyone else, we, we could be tempted to go to stray from the word, but we need to understand, yes, it is uncomfortable. I never thought there'd be a day I would even balk or flash at having to explain this scripture and to share it, because I don't want anybody to think I hate anybody, and I don't. But I will answer if I don't clearly give you God's truth. And I respect God's plan more than, I don't want to be disliked, but you know what? At the end of the day, I'm going with Jesus. And you need to have a healthy respect for God's plan. And what's happening, especially in American churches, that would be too hard. I don't want to be hated. And again, if, if you're pushing on people and being mean to people, we owe no no one anything but a debt of love and we need to try and these are verses and, and as as far as possible to live with peace with everyone you don't lead with that but then you go to first peter three fifteen. if they ask you and i your pastor's trying to do his job i gave you stuff we start with science nature's not confused counterfeit doesn't produce life and you don't even have to i'm just we're the subject here was homosexuality but you don't even have to go to that God, our bodies are designed essentially for one person for a lifetime, and then there's God's grace. You need to respect God's plan. But what's happening, especially I feel in the American church, is that's too hard. You need to start listening to Voice of Martyrs, the podcast, get the magazines, and you need, to, if, you need to understand that there are people, our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, don't get me started on that, I'm trying not to be political, but I just grieve for them and they'll be fine, and they're standing for God, and we think we're persecuted when we hold to God's plan.
Why is this important? Look at verse 7 and the last part. These serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. These, all these three that Jude is bringing up are a pattern that we need to see, that we need to make sure we don't follow so that, we don't co- that we're not held under judgment. And notice eternal, no end. And I do believe that it's a fire. I'm not trying to scare anybody. But you should fear God, and there's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. And if you're still fearing God in that way, that's wrong too. And, he, and he's not going to make you do anything. I'm not going to make you do anything today. My job, Christians, I really hold this, have you delivered the mail when God tells you to. That's got to be the worst way to go. All of us want to go in our sleep, just take a little breath, and we wake up with Jesus. And doing police chaplaincy, there's a lot of things sometimes I can get exposed to or aware of where people died in really bad ways. And I would think one of the worst ways is to die in a fire. But I want us to understand here, you're never consumed, and it's eternal punishment that was never designed for you, but you chose it. We need to remember that. Not like, I'm saved now and I did bad, so I'm going to hell. No, I'm saved. I'm as saved as I'm going to be. Not because of seminary, not because of ministry, Jesus and his blood, period. It's the only name I'm bringing up when I get to heaven. Why are you here, Jesus? So I don't need to fear hell. Not because I'm good, because I'm not. Not because I, I did this or that, Jesus. So here's the point that we need to remember. Hell is bad. Eternity is long. The unbeliever, the, rebelli- the, the rebellious, rebellious need to understand this and they need to remember God and not go to hell. So here's your last fill in there. Remembering the right things means take God's judgment seriously. And guys, it's hard. And, and, and you, you know your pastor's weird, okay? We, I hope you've settled that, okay? I've been here five years, you should figure that out, okay? But... And it's not that I don't feel comfortable around you all. I mean, I feel we have a good church. I don't, maybe I'm worldly, but I feel a lot of times more comfortable around non-Christians than Christians. And I'm not talking specifically about our church, but it's not that I'm into their stuff, but at least they're being honest about where they're at. And we need to be honest and take God's judgment seriously. And when God leads us with the loss to, to take it seriously, hey, I care about you. This is what I believe. This is how I've come to it. And I just want to let you know. What you do with it is your choice, but my job is to let you know. When God tells you to, guys, he's going to tell you to. It may be quick. It may be a stranger. Or maybe it's a long-term conversation. You know the Holy Spirit will let you know when it's time, as we have to say, to go downtown. And go downtown doesn't mean you jump on him. But you speak his truth and love. So knowing that... Uh, knowing that the Bible condemns it and that God offers forgiveness and that temptation can be overcome by the grace of God, like uh, if only we repent. So all sinners who do not seek uh, forgiveness from God will find his judgment. How can a loving God? A loving God is offered away. 
So what we see here, this is kind of serious, and it's kind of a downer. And, we, and yet again, you have to have the bad news before you get to the good news. And so Paul is writing to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11, and we kind of sh- uh, shared that. But, and he's dealing with their issues, and that, that was a messed up church. Thankful I haven't been in a church at this level, but let's look at this for a minute, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. And he says here, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral nor the idolaters. Idolatry is the fact of anything you put before God as an idol. Your job, your money, anything. Nor adulterers, no men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor rivalers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So there's you another list. God is against, died for all sin. God is against all sin. Verse 11. I love this. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. Amen. That is is Paul saying, notice what he did. He held to the right. These things are wrong. These things deserve hell. And that's who you were in that list. But you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified. Paul focused on remembering the first thing, that only Christ and only the cross and only him crucified, only him buried and risen from the dead can save us from this. And God will condemn those who don't remember him, but he will gladly forgive those and receive those who remember him. That's the good news. This is why we need to... He says in 2 Peter 3.17, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you're not carried away with the error of lost people and lose your own stability. And guys, we're, we're in, in James' world where the man who's all over the place is like on the sea. And if you've ever been in the ocean and the waves, you're just going up and down and all those kind of things and unstable. Are you standing on the rock or the sand, shifting sands of the world? We need to remember the right things. We need to remember 2 Peter 1.12. Therefore, I intended to remind you of these qualities, though, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. You may have been reminded of some truth today. I've been, I don't know, for some reason, for the past three weeks, I've had a lot of training in different things, and some of it was stuff I had training before, but I needed reminded because I forgot. Why is it we'll do that in our lives, but we don't continually daily do that with God's word? So i got some questions for you today, today in this season. What are you choosing to remember? Let's just be honest. That section of scripture that I shared, it would be a lot easier just to totally ignore verse 7, to slide by and say, hey, do the right thing, and pat you on the back. But my job is to give you the whole word of God. And so the question is, what are you choosing to remember? Here, let me help you with this. God, what your word says, I'm going to try to remember it and apply it to my life, period. God's word is not a buffet. I want this, don't want that. Want this, don't want that. Mm -mm. How do you or I have the right to rip sections of scripture out of his word? Because we'll cover it once uh, at some time how we got this word. People died for you to have the word that you have in your hand. So it is not our right to change it. So what are you choosing to remember? Who or what are you trusting today? 
well, he saved me in the past, but this is a hard one. Don't you think he can handle what you're going through today just like he handled it? Remember to trust God today. Another question, um, are, you accept, are you accepting God's plan daily? He knows what day you're going to have. You may not like it, but guess what? This is why the 23rd Psalm gets a bad rap. We only use it at funerals when he's talking about I'm walking with you through life. Um, you need to intentionally accept God's plan. Are you, are you surrendering to God's power? Lift your hands up. Get in the back seat. Tell him, Jesus, take the will because I can't help th- handle this. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in you. Are you leaning into that power or trying to just lift your hands up like a little kid and surrender and say, God, you're going to have to do this help? Are you leaning into his power today? Are you respecting his plan? Are you respecting God's plan? See, this is hard. I hope I will help you however I can because my job, my calling is Ephesians 4.12 to encourage and equip you because you're the ones having these conversations. You're the, we're all dealing with this. And again, I don't go out to, I'm going to tell you how to do this, but we need to be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. One, science proves God, God is true. Every, Satan only deals with the counterfeit. And his counterfeit, Satan, never produces life. And nature is not confused. God died for all sin, and God is against all sin. Those are some things hopefully will help you as you deal with these things. So you're respecting his plan. It's like, oh, that's going to be hard, so I guess I'm going to change the Bible here and go this route. And then lastly, are, are, do you take God's judgment seriously? As we stand on our feet and we have a time of invitation, this is a time for you to respond to that. If you realize that you need Jesus Christ as Savior, that you can't save yourself, you can come forward and receive Christ or you can talk to me afterwards. You may need to, we, everybody's scared of the front, but this is also an altar, a place to pray. Whatever you need to do today, do the right thing. Remember the right things. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to be here. Holy Spirit, we know that you're here. And however we need to be obedient, may we be obedient to you today. In your name, Jesus. Amen.